0: This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking.
1: Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za.
0: Thought-provoking conversations with Liratombele. 9 a.m. to
1: midday. Okay, let's get into serious things this morning with Lulu White, an elections analyst and founder of the Elections Management Consulting Agency of Africa. And while we're speaking to Lulu, she also is, um, uh, she she looks at a lot of elections across the continent. And I thought today we should talk about disinformation, the things just to be aware of uh, in this moment of election campaigning. Lulu, good morning. Good morning, Lerato. How are you? Fine, thank you. I feel like a I feel like a lucky girl with a lot of sunshine around me this morning. <laughs> Congratulations on the Van Gogh. <laughs> Isn't it just? Thank you. Okay. Gorgeous. Um you birthday. Oh, and they're long-stemmed, but let's let's focus on the issue at hand. Why is it important for us at this stage, even without knowing the election date, to start mm. being very aware of misinformation, disinformation, um, and facts unchecked. Okay. so
0: awareness and education. Uh, often we call it uh, civic civic education or voter education. Others will call it voter education. Others um, um, outside of the election spectrum will call it civic education. Mm. So, as a form of civic education, for example, um, let me tell you the term of office for the current sitting. Uh, members of Parliament expires at the month end i think around the eighteenth of may right. and then in terms of electoral time t- in terms of the electoral commission act, once the term of office expires, um the president in consultation with the i e c has ninety days wherein they must proclaim they must an election must take place right. so if we have to look at though, that particular figure we're looking at somewhere between month end of July or something in the middle of August mm. um, for an election.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So already in terms of civic education, you can tell it, okay, fine. Um, so far, so good in terms of timelines that political parties in the IEC needs to be aware of, um, they're still on time because mm. term of office is only expiring in May. Mm. Right? And this is something that people need to, to, to know and understand. So just because it's an election year and the last time, uh, people got into office on the 18th of May it does not necessarily mean that another election is taking place in May this year. Yeah, it, it, They've got 90 days after May okay. um, to make that election take place. So civic education, voter education is very important, so that people understand some of these small dynamics. And once you understand that, then um, you are then able to quickly deal with any misinformation or disinformation that may come out of mm. somebody saying people are delaying the election for whatever okay. purposes.
1: Right. So so the first issue you've dealt with, Lulu White, is how the election date is set constitutionally. Yeah. It needs yeah. to be set at the end, the full five-year term of the That's current correct. administration, That's plus correct. 90 days. So yeah. that administration, their term ends the 18th of May. So only as from the 18th of May can you say this administration has completed four, five years in full. Yeah. And so from then on, is the election cycle. Uh, okay. I, we'd, we'd gotten a date of 10th of May from Ndate Teritsilani saying mm-hmm. it needs to be 90 days from the date of the last election. But mm-hmm. you are saying that or the official end of Parliament's term? Term of office. Okay, so... Term of office
0: is what kicks in, uh, in that 90-day period okay. that the President and the IC. is taking Okay,
1: so... Given that information, the elections realistically can only take place as from the 19th of May, 90 days hence. So it's the 19th of May all the way up until the end of August. So we can expect to be voting anywhere around that time. That's correct. Okay. And some people have said, please, it can't be in July. It would be too cold uh, because it's the coldest month of winter. And that would put people off from coming to the polls. Would the president consider that in his proclamation?
0: And the proclamation, the president is obviously gonna do the proclamation together with the IEC so mm. they look at all the possible dates. I think when I was looking at, at, at the date preemptively, you know, I was looking mm. at around because obviously the IEC also prefers to run elections on a Wednesday. Oh why on the basis that um they don't you know, it must not be beginning of the week or the end of the week because they they're trying to avoid that long extended holiday ah. uh type of mentality. So the ICS preference is always in the middle of of the week, which is why every election, if you look at the time at, at, through the previous elections, elections have taken place
1: on a Wednesday. I did not know that, really. <laughs> and that's pretty so, straightforward, but you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is obviously
0: so. When I was looking at that, I was also considering okay, perhaps the thirty first of July would be a viable option. Um, also, as much as possible, the IEC tries to stay away from public holidays because obviously, as much as possible, they don't want I- elections to be um, a long weekend event. The minute it becomes a long weekend event, then people are not going to be in the places of ordinary residents where they are going to be able to cast their votes. Often then they would go on holidays and then they forget about the election. So all of those type of considerations take, are taken into account. Um, when that particular election you know, the date of election yeah. is going to be taken into is being taken into consideration. So yes. I think in my point of view, around the thirty first of July should be more or less where we, we land because then the following week becomes a holiday. Which could be a bit a bit tricky. Right. I'll so but those are some band. of the considerations that go into <laughs> those are some yeah an exotic like binder. Those are some of the considerations that actually um, go into it, okay. they don't want it to be, also they need schools, right? Remember, okay. voting stations are schools,
1: Many majority of, them, of the yeah.
0: voting stations are schools. So if it's during a school holiday, it works out for the best for the IEC because then they have access to those facilities where they'd be able to. access So there's a lot of uh, logistical Logistics. considerations that also need to go into the planning. Of when an election actually takes place.
1: Goodness me, Lulu, this is an education today. Thank you. Wednesday, preferably during school holidays, because you need yeah. the facility of the school to yeah. to to be where you actually uh, construct. Uh, a a voting station okay so it's likely it's likely it's not that it is but it's likely going to be end of july because it coincides with school holidays because there aren't too many public holidays so that people are in their voting districts and we don't have Mm -hmm. long weekends that then make people lazy to show up uh, at the voting station station. i see Okay. okay let's let's clarify another issue Um, And this has to do with something that Mbali Nduli had tweeted in a long thread. And you know that Mbali Nduli, Mm -hmm. of course, she's a former politician, but she Mm -hmm. now runs a civic electoral education movement called uh, the Groundwork Collective. And she works with many rural communities around issues of voter education, etc. And she said that. The IEC has announced that there's more than 326 uh, political parties that have registered. Some have said more. And she said, that's all wonderful. But it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that the ballot paper is going to have 326 political parties on it. Mm -hmm. Because even if you may register a party, there's a requisite number of national votes or signatures that you should have acquired that then Mm -hmm. qualify your name to be on the ballot paper. So Leratombele may have started her political party, you know, Mm -hmm. at the local gym. That's nice. But unless I can get 14,000 people to sign in support of this political party, it's not going on the ballot paper. So people may think they're going to vote for Party X, but it's not a guarantee that Party X is even going to appear on the ballot paper. Okay.
0: Well, she's correct that the IEC currently has 326 or 300 or not ever, some um, that is that is being published in terms of the parties that are registered. Um, a number of political parties, ha- probably more or less half of those political parties are registered only at municipal level. right? Mm. So already they are excluded from being able to participate in national and provincial elections. Okay. Because they are those political parties that can only that can only contest in a particular municipality, like for local government election, so a prerequisite number of that 326 numbers are already off because they are not registered at national and provincial level, so they will not be participating in these elections. Okay, so assume that then. Let's assume there's around 126 parties that are at, at, at local level. Then you are then left with only 200 political parties that are registered nationally. Now, these 200 political parties. There's a the criteria that the IEC needs to go to get into. The biggest criteria, which um, people have often complained that it acts as a deterrent uh, for people to not participate in democracy, was that is, is, is the election deposit. Right. All uh, right. So the election deposit. Uh, I think in the previous elections, these political parties wanted to contest um, for the full nation. I think the national ballot, which is national and provincial, they were required to pay up above uh, $500,000, 550000 Now, already you can tell that if you don't have deep pockets, there's no way you'd be able to participate. Mm. then you'll find other political parties would say, no, I would contest the national ballot and the provincial ballot. right?" Mm. And then on the basis of that, then they would then maybe pay the national deposit together with that particular province that they're participating. I think in the previous election, it was 40,000. So already you can tell that's the first criteria that already throws some political that 200 now already um, decreases drastically. Mm. Number two, I think Mm. with regards to, to, to the number in the previous um, recently, I actually forgot the dates and the timelines, but um this was when um, the electoral commission was taken to 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 task with regards to mm-hmm. those figures for uh, for 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 individuals yeah. or independent candidates. Remember, they said that we, need, we needed to balance, we needed to level the playing field, so yeah. people needed one thousand votes. Now, in the previous elections, that was not necessary. In the previous election, if you were registered as a national party at a national level and you had a pre, in, in those numbers, I mean, the, the Deal Foundation had the national numbers, it was easy. You could just go and contest an election. But in this particular election, because of the amendments of the Electoral Amendment Act, there have been changes and they've been tweaked. Um to you know, so that um in order to qualify to appear a particular ballot you had to have a certain number of signatures. Yes. I um I think the last time they said it's a thousand now, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I'm just yeah, I'm just not sure whether this thousand is with regards to only independent. That's what I only. understood,
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: I understood. Yeah, that uh, it's probably only with regards to that. But then, with, with political yeah. parties, they would need to go sort of like another campaigning exercise mm. where they go and they make sure that all of those figures, all of the numbers, what what, what is it? What are, um, it's called a quota? Mm. Not a quota. There's a name that is used, man. Okay. Um, that basically says. That for Gauteng, if Gauteng's registered population is 500,000 and you need 10% of that, then those people would then be, you'd need to have people supporting 10% of that population supporting
1: that in the political party. Right, But I think the point you're making, and this is helpful, is that we should go and find out. If you enjoy Lulu White's political uh, analysis and you think you want to vote for her, you need to figure out whether her party is registered at a local municipal level or whether it's registered at a national level or whether she's an independent candidate because if you don't clarify that you might be disappointed yeah. to find that that party is not on the ballot paper so we you need to have, ask we need to ask yeah. those questions of the people who we think we want to vote yeah. for
0: definitely you need to ask that and also political parties have a responsibility i think Political, I think also with this new electoral amendment, Eclairage, a lot of people are, not, are really not sure what's going to be happening, and even political parties themselves. And okay. I think um, this is where a lot of political parties, uh, particularly when it comes to this, you know, this, this time of the year. Yeah. And I'm going to cite an example of one whole political of one political party, or if not two, that I remember from the top of my head, yeah. that during the process of submission of candidates' lists, they forgot the check. You know, Mm -hmm. um, another political party went to the IEC to say, you know, I'll do an EFT transfer. You know, so there's a lot of dynamics, these small dynamics that political parties themselves also need Mm. to understand that in this particular exercise, this is what is required for me. These are the numbers that I need to make sure that I subscribe by in order for me to be able to to contest Mm. a ballot in the Eastern Cape. This is how much I need to have. I need to have a bank guarantee check. So they also have to create, political parties must create checklists, and I think the system that's the being introduced where they have to make sure that they've got enough signatories also assist political parties with regards to their campaigning okay. efforts. All
1: right. Uh, this year, we're also going to see a third category, which is independent yeah. candidates. Now, my understanding is not a lot of people have signed up as independents because it's it was costly, because there were all these wranglings in the Constitutional Court, that bit that came forward saying you need to reduce the threshold of signatures and costs, etc. But all of this sort of said to many people, maybe it's not yet time. But there are one or two names. I know of Zaki Ahmad, for instance. And mm-hmm. maybe there'll be a few more who come up who say, I don't represent any political organization. Mm-hmm. I just represent what i believe in and if you believe in what i believe in you'll vote for me so how can voters understand this category of candidates
0: i think um Zaki akhmar obviously because he's a public figure he's known and that's why he's immediately put uh, his head out um always just say that he's going to be participating as an independent um I do believe that once an election timetable has been pronounced and we've got a post of candidate nomination we will probably hear a lot more people that are going to be coming out of the woodworks to say that they're also contesting an independent candidate. Um, so I think we, we can have an expectation of that. Once again, if you you remember with regards to the Electoral Amendment Act, they're supposed to have constituencies or regions in this particular instance. There's constituencies that must actually support an independent candidate, and then there's uh, that 1,000 prerequisite number of supporters, then that independent would be able to appear on the ballot. So I think we will see an increase in the number of that. But what I wanted to also point out which is also a part a bit of a misinformation as well or maybe lack of understanding yeah. is that in south africa uh and i think we've seen it also in local government elections as well independent candidates as much as they are able to participate or they will be able to participate it's not as easy as that that they'll actually get to parliament and then you will have an independent candidate that is a, that is a, that becomes a president mm. because once people are elected in parliament you do remember in terms of the constitution that members of parliament then all of them decide and they Elect okay. the president from parliament, okay. so it's not as it's not an easy it's not as easy as once you're an independent candidate, you get into parliament and you've got enough votes okay. from the floor from the country, then immediately you're going to become uh, the president okay. of the country. What normally happens is that in parliament, in parliament, in its first sitting, must then mm. elect somebody who's going to okay. be the president, and then the cabinet ministers okay. as well.
1: Let's move yeah. away from some of the technicalities and to the editorial issues. I'm going to say that. Okay, yeah. so. Some people would say, if you're not happy with the performance of a particular political organization, just vote them out. Vote differently in that poll. Mm -hmm. But people say it's difficult because maybe I I like what they say about this issue but I'm not sure about that issue how do we hold political parties accountable in terms of the information disseminated so the president at the start of his term promised South Africans a million houses or more there aren't a million houses for instance Uh, he makes a statement saying if you don't vote uh, for ANC you won't get your social grants that's a downright lie. That's just not true because that's Mm -hmm. a constitutionally enshrined value of providing Mm -hmm. social services. And other political organizations will say many other things. How do we, as the electorate, even as the media, hold politicians to account so that whatever is being said in the campaign season is not misinformation or disinformation? So
0: I think um, the media... Oh, you know, the media has a responsibility, I, and and thankfully we we live in a society where South Africans are actually quite, um, you know, they're quite okay with social media. I think in in most instances we have seen, and I think this is something that the media, our own media houses, can actually build on the collaborations that we've had. Um, we have, you know, with social, they should meet, they should be collaborating with social. Mm-hmm. social media platforms where you know like your twitter twitter has been very strong in terms of making sure that they hold politicians accountable we've never seen obviously politicians responding and trying to actually account to 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 to, to social media with regards to some of the promises Mm -hmm. that they've made and i know for a fact that they have been held accountable they have been asked to account on numerous occasions Mm -hmm. on twitter also even on Facebook, but I've never seen any response coming from politicians. Mm. And I think this is a perfect opportunity. Uh, we are aware that polit- political parties will be going to the ground as well. You mm-hmm. know these, um, And we always make a joke about it when it's election season, that you're going to see all political parties will be at this particular old woman's house, mm. giving her T-shirts and painting her house. And those are great opportunities that people... Um, can actually hold these politicians accountable. But one thing that South Africans or or citizens of any country in any election actually need to understand is that their right, their vote is their right. When you are not happy with a political party, take back your right. Mm. And I think the media needs to start... A promoting literacy as far as that is okay. concerned. Yes, we understand it's the IUC's responsibility, but the media also needs to start okay. preaching that message that says, withhold your vote and give it to somebody else will make it count.
1: Um, Lulu, I know you're pressed for time. We've got headlines. May I just uh, implore on you to stay with us just for five minutes after the headlines? There's two mm-hmm. more issues I'd like to raise. Thank you. Getting you what you need to know. Power Talk. Weekdays 9am to noon on Power 98.7. All right. The time is 10.34. We stay a little bit with Lulu White as she just helps us understand what are just some of the ground rules uh, that we need to understand uh, concerning how an election is conducted, how information is disseminated, how we hold politicians accountable, and also understanding the technicalities of the vote. The fact that this, for the first time, is a three-tiered ballot paper. We're voting national, provincial, and for an independent candidate. Uh, The fact that You may enjoy the views and the messaging of Party X. It's not a guarantee that they're going to appear on the ballot paper, either because they haven't acquired the requisite number of national signatures or that they haven't registered as a national party and are only eligible to contest a municipal election. So those are the things you need to Uh, check those are the small nuances as well then there are just some rules of how people are supposed to conduct themselves around an election sure we're going to see political parties and leaders kissing babies and doling out t-shirts but there are a few Mm. things that aren't allowed is what lulu white was telling us and what are some of those things that aren't allowed so i remember an election where a leader walked into somebody's house sure it was actually quite jarring opened the fridge Said, wow, there's no food in your fridge, whipped his hand into his pocket, pulled out like four or five hundred rands and gave it to her in the full view of cameras. And so it was a dilemma because people said, but you can see the woman had no food. Was he supposed to leave her? But at the same time, was it right for him just to give her hard cash like that?
0: And I think more than jarring, it was also quite embarrassing and humiliating for that particular woman. And I think this is another thing. You know, the third thing, Virata, is that um, in South Africa, there doesn't seem to be um, uh, an understanding of election election campaigning um, or ethical election campaigning. And that is the reason why we see year after year, whenever there's an election, we see politicians doing the same thing over and over again. And it actually speaks to the fact that a lot of these politicians do not do anything for citizens of the country, and then come election, come the, year the election, then they start waking up. And, you know, they're able, they're, some, some of these political parties are not even, even able to do the bare minimum. Mm. You live in a community or you're aware of a, of a community that needs uh, road infrastructure, for example, and you wait the year before the election or the year of the election to start putting up a road and you close um, holds so that it appears that you're're you, you, you're, you're a good governing party or you're a good political party, so those are some of the issues that south african Um, politicians do not seem to understand. Mm. But, and and, and the reason why it's persistent and continues to happen is because South African citizens themselves are not holding these political parties into account. And the best way to hold any political party into account is actually to deny them your vote. Um, There was a woman in the previous uh, local government election who actually just told them, don't come to my house and all of us i mean on, on social media was very excited to be able to see that finally some people are actually waking up to say if you're not able to give me some of the most basic needs and i do not want you coming to my house to like me once mm-hmm. again about how to uh, uh, towards an election mm-hmm. So um, there's also issues of political parties. I think there were quite a number of political parties that were reported um, with the electoral, at the electoral commission because they were removing posters mm. of political of other political mm-hmm. parties. Now, in terms of the law, actually, during an election pro during an election um, during that 90-day process yeah. period, uh, even now, actually, if you start removing people's posters, yeah. that's a criminal offence. So that's also another thing yeah. that people are
1: not supposed and, to. And in fact, a Zanzi posted pictures of people who burnt their posters yes and it's actually a criminal it's actually a criminal offense to do
0: that mm-hmm. and this is something that people do not understand people in South Africa do not understand uh, because it speaks to political intolerance okay. and we are a multi-party democracy as a country therefore everybody has the right to actually put up a poster within the reasonable time that, that, that you know within a period mm. for, for for an election. Some of the things that are not allowed during election is campaigning on the day of elections. While you know, so a lot of political parties you will still find on the day of actual elections they still do things. Whether it's sitting, you can sit outside the, as long as you're outside the, the boundaries of a polling station. You can sit outside the and observe, polling right? But you can't and campaign. Observe. You can't be
1: campaigning on the day of the election, but we have seen instances where, particularly in rural settings, people have continued to 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 campaign. And to what do the we election mean election. by that, Lulu? So I'm going in to cast my vote. I see yes. various political parties, they've laid tables and they've got canopies. They just need to say to me, Good morning. They can't say, Hey, please vote for us. Remember, yes, no, we're going no, to. Definitely. They can't say that. They can't say that.
0: Good morning. We wish you the best. Have a good day. That's the only thing that they can do. They can't say anything. Like that.
1: So why are they there then in the first place? <laughs> Look, remember during an
0: election and in voting stations, political parties generally would have uh, observers within the stations mm-hmm. themselves. So one would then assume that they are there because they're going to be offering support to their observers. And they're also there to make sure that um, they're, 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 they're running these intriguing. observation teams. Mm-hmm. in shifts. So when one shift ends, then another person goes there. So that's the purpose that really they should be there to replenish and to to support the observers. But they should not not be
1: canvassing for votes on election day at the voting station and people should not be removing posters of other opposition parties in an area. doesn't matter what you think about anyone. Um, You know, there can be EFF posters in Sandhurst, it's fine. And there can be DA posters in Dipslut and it's fine. And, and there can be ANC posters in Rondebosch and it's fine. And nobody should be removing anybody's posters.
0: Actually, it's a, it's a criminal offence. You should, you will be arrested. If that political party sees you and they've got evidence of you, it's a criminal offence. I think you can be locked up. Okay. You can be given 24 months of fine or 24 months in prison for that.
1: Okay. And then finally, let's wrap up our, our conversation because we've spoken about the voting process itself, how to fact check information. This You know, civic education, if the IEC has got a reduced budget to run these elections, um, I heard an interesting comment the other day where somebody said, Why can't we go into state owned companies? You know, the TransNets, the ESCOMs, some Mm. of the big mining houses, the SAPCs, you know, companies that employ many, many people and Mm. use HR as a platform for voter education, not to tell people who to vote for, but to say, here you've got mm-hmm. a staff complement of 5,000 people. During the lunch break over a few days, an IEC representative comes with HR and mm-hmm. says to people, please understand this as a voting process. The shop stewards can be there as well to make sure that everything's above board. But mm-hmm. then you start to use that as a way to filtrate and you know, disseminate information like we are doing right now, you and I on the radio. Yeah.
0: So I think the biggest challenge that we have is, is, is also the fact that uh, big business South Africa and also these other departments seem to think that in elections are not their business. Um, it's, everybody, it's the IEC's business and they need to figure it out. And I think once we remove that and we also, also as citizens also call for accountability as far as civic education is concerned, then we'll also understand also that elections are just one big major event. But throughout the five years, there are other elections taking place. Mm. For example, this year is one of those years where we are going to be having SGB elections. Mm. That is an elections process where parents are supposed to be electing people, in, in, you know, to represent their interests within the schools. Yeah. You've got board of trustees elections. Um, you've got elections in the months um, that look at whether people are going to be retrenched or whether people can be kept and retained. Mm-hmm. You've got board of trustee elections for medical aid and provident funds. So I think... Having that approach where big business SA, and all other departments, the national departments actually start putting, getting money into the kitty and they start supporting the initiative of, right. of civic education. It would also debunk the myth that says elections are just a one-time event okay. only. People need to understand that every decision that is taken at any given time is, is a result right. of a democratic or an election process that has taken place at one place or another. So, I think you make a very legitimate um, uh, submission to say all of these departments, business, they need to start investing in elections because surely we cannot have a situation where. Um, we, we can continue with, right. uh, with being apathetic about electoral processes because it's quite clear how much the school increases the school fees of the child by. Yeah. Is as a result of an SGB meeting, that, took,
1: that, that okay. took place and there was an election of certain parents who were elected in that particular right. space. Okay, as we wind down and say goodbye to you, Lulu, what recourse do you have if as a voter you feel intimidated? You went to the voting station and you feel like somebody was soliciting your vote or somebody was barring you from entering the place or the day before you the election somebody said to you if you show up and you do this what what recourse do you have legal you take you go to the police station and open a legal case
0: intimidation is a criminal offense in south africa
1: thank you lulu white White, elections analyst and founder of the elections management consulting agency just talking to us about just a few things to be aware of as we get into full election mode